Artism Podcast, where we explore creativity, inspiration, and the determination it takes to be an artisan. This podcast is for artisans, by artisans. I'm your host, Kathy Duraghi, and I'm thrilled to introduce you to our next guest. I'm so glad that you're joining us today on the Artisan Podcast. Welcome. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me, Caddy. And we are on a Zoom call and I do see you have a cat. I have two. <laughs> ah, well, great. Cause I have four. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. See, already I knew I liked you. <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Of course. And um, happy Women's International Day today. Thank you so much. A- and to you and Thank to you. all, all, to all people out there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We've always been, um, you know, we're, we're, I think one of the ways that not necessarily that we differentiate, but one of the ways that something that we're very proud of is that we're a women owned business and, um, my entire team is female and, um, you know, just to have a day officially out there to recognize and to celebrate. Uh, it should be every day, but mm. for now we'll we'll take this we'll take the day that we have. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, we. Um, well, we'll get into my work, but uh, I host a podcast that was um, featured in an International Women's Day programming today um, on a on a radio station. So we made our radio premiere today. Congratulations. National... Yeah, but but I I agree. I like to uh, as much work as I can do with uh, women and female identifying folks. Uh, and whenever I'm in a hiring capacity, that is my uh, premier goal. So wonderful. Bravo. T- brava to y'all as well. Thank you. Thank you. I'd love to be able to share with the audience um, how you got your start in your field. And uh, as I was saying earlier, as we were chatting, you know, when, when did you get bitten by this creativity bug? When did you know this was your career of choice? Ooh, (laughs) Um, you know, I started Let's go all the way to childhood. I I think I was a quite a little ham as a child. I was a very creative and um I needed to be the center of attention. I was a, a little extroverted star. Um and I think, you know, and that translated as a child to lots of dancing and and singing and and theater um and and I at the same time I was so passionate as a as a young person about um justice mm. and I didn't have a lot of words for that I probably didn't have the word justice at all um I just knew that I hated when things felt unfair or I hated when it felt like um other people weren't being treated with kindness, you know, as simple as that when I was a child. And I think as I went along uh, in my teenage years and um, 
and into university, I studied film, but I think I studied film because I saw the impact that a really great movie or just a piece of video um, could make in terms of issue-driven, alerting an audience to a particular issue. Mm -hmm. And so I think I always coupled this like passion for justice with uh, wanting to be a bit of a, wanting to, always wanting performance to be part of my life in some way. And, and that doesn't always mean that I'm the perform. That doesn't always mean I'm the performer. In fact, it often means I'm not the performer. I'm not an actor. I'm not a entertainer. Um, but it does mean that I am manipulating the storytelling. I am storytelling mm-hmm. as a director, as an editor, as a podcast host and creator. Perfect. You're you're in on the in the back, um, kind of being the puzzle master, seeing all the different pieces and where everything goes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But I think you positioned it really well. You're a storyteller. And I think as creatives, um, creatives are storytellers that the medium by which they tell their story may differ. Uh, but at the end of the day, whether we're telling the story through writing or through a piece of film or through a piece of art, it's still a story that we're conveying out there. So you knew this from early on that you stood for justice, even though you didn't know the name (laughs) and that, am I hearing it correctly, that you sought some sort of an avenue to be able to bring that to the forefront and to be able to share that message with others? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, I can track the different without, again, probably not even knowing the word activist, I can track the different attempts I made throughout my young grade school, middle school, high school years of um, organizing my fellow students against a against a common goal, you know, a, fighting against a certain injustice we were experiencing with like the middle school cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs> but but I I also always could see that if I had a story behind it that's when I could really rally the troops, so Mm -hmm. to speak, and get people aware of the cause we were fighting for. Understood. And we need people like you to, many of us have a voice and we may not know how to voice it necessarily. And to have someone who can rally and organize it is powerful. I feel sometimes recruiting is that. You know, we ha- there's incredible candidates out there that we work with. They're not necessarily um, comfortable to toot their own horn yeah. and to be able to have an advocate, you know, uh, on your side to say, look at this person. This person is incredible. Give them a chance. Give them a try. And um, it, it's very much that it's really being able to rally behind somebody else's cause. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's my favorite thing in the world is speaking to other humans and learning about them, you know, not only learning their story, but just simply having a conversation. And, and I want to know 
everything. I want to know what they have for breakfast. I want to know what sort of soap they use in the shower. I think it's all so fascinating and it's all important. Mm-hmm. What is your, I guess, the favorite part of what you do? Because I know you edit, you direct, you produce, you shoot. Where does it all come together for you? And if you only had to do one, which one would it be? Ooh, wow, a stumper. The two-part question and the second question is a stumper. Um, Gosh, if I could only do one of the many multi-hyphenate, (laughs) non-linear... career paths that I've had. Um, I think if I could only do one thing, I would continue to speak with other humans. I would, and for when that, for documentary directing, I will often conduct the interviews. Mm. Um, And sometimes that'll I'll be in a producer role. Um, but I don't think I could ever lose the opportunity to talk to other humans and learn what makes them tick or to create space and hold space for a story they want to share. And that, you know, that's what we're doing on, um, our podcast gray area stories, which I host, I co-host with, uh, my friend, Johanna Middleton. And it, we bring on guests who are survivors of sexual assault and they share their story with us. And we are both survivors as well. Um, but I, I think I have both a passion and a unique ability to listen and to hold that space. Um, so when I'm, uh, directing documentary, I, I'm, I'm so interested and passionate about the subject's life. Mm-hmm. And I just, I want to know everything. And that feels really good on the receiving end to feel like someone's excited about all parts of your life. But for me, it's, I'm not, I'm not putting on, uh, I'm not putting anything on. I just get so excited about learning about other people and about mm-hmm. their world and about their dreams and about, you know, I just get so excited about mm-hmm. other people. I think it is an art um, and definitely a unique approach to be able to come to someone, especially talking about something that's very personal and to create. And uh, as you aptly said, to, um, to save that space, to create it, to keep it for them and also to keep it a safe space so that they can come forth and they can speak about it. And there's a, I think a fine line to come at it from a curiosity perspective and an empathetic perspective versus prying. Right. 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 Otherwise that space isn't safe anymore. The word curiosity is so uh, resonant right now for me. I think you're so right. I think I, I, I think that's the word I was missing in uh, describing sort of my journey from childhood. I've just been so darn curious about (laughs) other folks in the world. And um, it's wonderful that you have this medium uh, to be able to both visually with your documentaries, as well as with the podcast uh, to um, foster that curiosity further and also to I think create a space for other people 
to know they're not alone in whatever journey that they're on. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, How do you translate what you do um, with your podcast and with your documentaries to what you do on a daily basis at your various, the various companies that you work for? Yeah, that's, that's a great question because I don't, directing documentary and um, making gray area stories, the podcast uh, it is definitely more on the passion project side. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a lot of work that isn't my main income source. Uh, my main income source is editing, uh, mostly video editing. Um, and so I work for a lot of big, big brands on TV shows and things that you might've heard of, but, um, you know, I, I think it's, I think with editing, uh, it's less about creating the space and it's more about cleaning up the space. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's still, uh, in line with space creation and it's absolutely Mm -hmm. in line with storytelling. It's about finding that thread of the story and cleaning up all of the other, all the other um, little details that actually take away from the through line of the story, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and I get really excited about being able to help. You know, there's a lot of talk about the ethics around editing, right? And I think about that constantly. I think about that constantly when I'm, especially when I'm editing um, the podcast. You know, do I want to change? Do I want to take out ums and ahs? Do I want to manipulate um, the cadence that this was said? Do I want to help them say it better? But at the end of the day, I do think if I can present this person's story in a clearer way, in a simpler way, so that more people can hear it or see it and understand it and be touched by it, at the end of the day, that that's my goal. That's my goal. Of course, I'm often editing silly, you know, ridiculous shows and the ethics of editing come less into play or it's just something glamorous or fun, a music video, something, you know, um, I think a little less about the ethics and I think a little less about justice when I'm editing those things. And I just want to have fun or cut to the music or whatever. But, uh, I, I think it's still in line with space creation. And in the, in that instance, bringing joy, that, that, that's the mission, right? If that's the goal is to bring joy. Absolutely. And that's, that's something that is in line with like a core value of my life is, is joy as, you know, we talk about it on the podcast, but you know, uh, as a survivor of sexual assault, as, uh, you know, the many badges I can name as, as someone that's recovered from an eating disorder, uh, on and on and on. Uh, I think joy as a tool for, uh, not just survival, but thrival in this world Mm -hmm. is so important. And yes, that can take the form of sometimes a stupid internet video that I (laughs) edited. (laughs) 
I agree. I agree. I, I talk about uh, grief quite a bit in my mm-hmm. non, non-artisan um, days or evenings and weekends, I should say. Um, and to talk about joy at the same time, it, it may seem um, an oxymoron, but it's so important to be able to still see joy in life and and recognize that there are so many joyous moments uh, to be had still, right? So I I hear you completely. Absolutely. Yeah. As we talk about that on the podcast, but as survivors, we're not sitting in our sadness and grief at all times. And we also don't want to only create media or Mm -hmm. tell stories only about that instance that made us survivors. So on the podcast, we it's more about the healing journey and the joy because we are so much more than the instant that made us a survivor, mm-hmm. where, wherein we were forced to be, mm-hmm. become a survivor. So yes, yes to joy. Yes we all to deserve joy. joy. <laughs> yes to joy, for sure. <laughs> uh, so tell me a little bit about your career trajectory. What brought you to this moment and what lessons learned could you share with someone who's maybe either just starting out as an editor or as a producer, uh, as a storyteller? Um, would love to hear that from you. Yes, I fully embody and embrace the nonlinear trajectory. I think that is so true to me, so true for me. Uh, I, I, and, and I will say that the nonlinear trajectory is not always um, prized, especially in this industry. I do think, you know, I do think we, as a society, as a, as, as a society based in capitalism, do prefer people to have a linear trajectory. We do prefer people to specify and specify early. Uh, that was just never going to happen to me. I have so many interests. I do prize balance in my life. I prize joy. I, I, I prize my relationships. I prize my cats. <laughs> there were so many reasons why uh, specifying and uh, moving linearly wasn't going to be my future. Um, and so I started out, I went to film school. I went to Northwestern. I studied film and art history. And from there, I moved out to LA. I live in Los Angeles and I worked in children's television for three years. Um, I left to make my uh, first pilot of a show about sustainability and community uh, living, cooperative living. Um, it's, it's from there, I've just followed little paths. I'm always, um, following a story and going to shoot a short documentary. Um, and it wasn't until about five years ago that I, I really started editing as my career path simply because I needed to make money. And, Mm -hmm. and like I was saying, you know, we prefer, the, we tend to prefer the specific. 
And so the minute I stopped saying, oh, you know, I'm a producer, director, shooter, editor, no one ever wanted to hire me because everyone's a producer, director, shooter, editor, or at least they were out here, you know, in in nonfiction um, filmmaking. But the minute I said, I'm an editor, I am an editor and that's what I do, people mm-hmm. could understand what I what value I brought to them. They and I could offer something that a lot of people uh, either are too impatient to learn how to do or don't are intimidated by or just don't want to do. And so so editing, yeah. So that is how the path of editing uh, began for me. I didn't think I would um, ever really narrow it down like that. And I don't know. But the thing I will say is I've never had a day that I've not enjoyed editing because it is storytelling. Mm -hmm. And the biggest advice I always give to anyone that's interested in any form of storytelling, but especially video in any form, film, TV, like online video, documentary, anything, is you should be able to edit. Even if you want to be a producer, a shooter, like Mm -hmm. I just think everyone should be able to edit. It will never hurt you to take the time to learn to edit and get better and better and better at it. Um, And so I'll think about it a lot and I'll be like, I'm not sure if I'll edit forever. I don't know mm-hmm. if I will. But I know that I'll always tell tell stories. And to be able to get that practice every day, again, even if it's sort of like a dumb internet video, it's still practice of taking sort of a mess, a heap of some sort, of a dump of footage, and turning it into a story. And that is always a skill that is useful in any creative life. Agreed. Um, I just wrote a book um, just recently and it was recently published. Thank you. Yeah. Big, big, uh, big accomplishment. I'm, I'm very proud of, but the first time the editor got a hold of that. Oh boy. Like, like I literally handed over a big mess of (laughs) words to her. And just for somebody else to be able to look at it from the outside right. and say, move this around. Like maybe the, the context is good, just not in this order or just take this out or at this end. It, it was so beneficial for someone to look at it. And actually, I think the art of it was in the editing, not necessarily in the writing. Um, well, although, I, although there was art in the writing too. <laughs> yes, I was just going to say, I'm sure there was such brilliance. And I think you're right. I think... I think the editor, uh, of course, in publishing and then mm-hmm. in my work in, in video editing, we do get the name of the editor, but I mm-hmm. think the editor is is so many people in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the friend that when you're a crying mess after a breakup or something can see, like, can give you the advice or can see through the mess and be like, you are brilliant and you are going to be okay. You know, I think the editor, uh, I think we are all editors in so many different ways in the world. <laughs> editors in life. Yes. I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> 
what would you share with, um, because I think you bring up a great point and I see this in resumes for a lot of candidates where they, they can do a lot and it poses an issue for some hiring managers where they can't focus as to where to put that person. And we often talk about sometimes less is more uh, lead with almost you have to sh- show the hiring managers the way as to where you could bring the most benefit to the table. Yeah. Um, if you could kind of expand on that a little bit too, uh, whether for yourself as an applicant or if you've been on the hiring side, how, how can you give some constructive feedback to someone to edit their resume? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, my career trajectory really did change when I specified. And the thing is, that was just specifying in a name. I presented myself now as an editor on my resume and my email signature. If I was at any sort of, you know, networking event, I'm an editor. It is a shorthand for people to understand how you can add value to to their lives. Mm-hmm. And I think you're totally right. Less is more on a resume. But I will say that never meant that I became less myself. That never meant that I stopped d- directing passion projects. That never meant that I didn't get my podcast off the ground. You know, it didn't delete any of my other identities. It just meant I was an easier candidate to hire. And I could ask for the rate that I knew that I deserved as a specific job rather than the multi-hyphenate question mark of, we don't even know what to pay you. You're doing lots of different people's jobs, right? And And so I do think it's really important to, you know, I was just speaking to a senior at Northwestern who was put in touch with me. He'll be graduating from my alma mater and had questions and, and he was similar to me. He, he's tried everything at school. He likes it all. He doesn't know what to do. And I said, you know, I said, yeah, don't limit yourself yet. Don't, don't go out there and call yourself an editor yet. Try everything that you can Mm -hmm. benefit off of the, like, I'm a newly graduated person for as long as you can, you know, um, be a recent college grad for at least five years. (laughs) And then, and then, yeah. And then specify, but specify for me, specify in a way that still lets you be a fully formed human in the workplace, you know, uh, never let, of course you're, you're not going to be able to, if you're also a director, if you're also a screenwriter, you know, whatever, if you're also an actor, like that light won't shine. No, from nine to five, if you're hired as an editor, (laughs) but find the thing that, like I said, I've never, I've never disliked one day of editing Mm -hmm. and I always feel like I'm learning more. So finding that specific thing that does make you happy enough that you can call that your specific, but having, you know, letting yourself be a fully formed human and not compromising on that, even in your nine to five, of course, like I said, the light's not going to shine as bright if you're 
a multi-hyphenate um, and hired as one thing, but but never having to completely erase that or give up on that. Um, and and I do think it's important to work with people, work with other people who have a multi-hyphenate background or a non-linear background. I find that I usually am working with editors who also direct on the side or mm-hmm. who also are writing, you know, their first pilot or, you know, like they are, they have their hands in a lot of pots. Um, and those are often my favorite people to work with and often are the, are, you know, the best producers are the best directors because they have had experience in a lot of different areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good advice. It's um, especially, I think for the, the new graduates, uh, it's almost as if you're at a buffet, try, try all the different different offerings and then decide what you want to go back for for a Absolutely. second. Yeah. Absolutely. And when you're first out of college, it's like you're at a buffet at a, in a new country and you can keep being like, I'm American. I just got here. I don't know what any of these foods are. I'm going to try it all. And you get, you get to revel in that. And I think you should just revel in that for as long as you can <laughs> until the world asks you to pick yeah. a career. <laughs> I was going to say just those, I remember those early years after graduation and how blissful it was that you could yeah. actually could <laughs> try all these different things. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I graduated in the height of the recession. There really weren't jobs, but the, I did get to revel in the, like, I'm brand new. I'll, I'll intern for you and I'll learn this and I'll learn this and I'll try this. Unfortunately, back then it was, it wasn't making me any money. Mm -hmm. Nowadays it's paid internships, which is great. And I'm so happy. And I don't think people should work for free. Uh, but I did get that enjoyable time of, jumping around internships. Mm -hmm. And I think not to uh, diminish really the power of networking to, you you, you talked about connections earlier. So to be able to, and this is a message that I share with all candidates is every single interview is an opportunity to connect every single networking thing. Obviously now we're not networking in person, but there's opportunities with social and clubhouse and like there's so many other opportunities to still continue networking and and being out there and just meeting people. You never know where those six degrees of six degrees of separation come from and connections are there. I really think everything is, is uh, built on relationship Mm -hmm. and I really, I really prefer my growth to be as organic as possible and as authentic as possible. And so I think I do the relationship hustle, but I do it in the way of true friendship building Mm -hmm. or true relationship building. And so I can get uncomfortable in certain networking situations where it feels fully inauthentic. But in those situations too, I just, um, I try to ask for what I want and if it's not going to happen, it's like, okay, we're not going to be friends and you're you're also not able, we're not able to collaborate. And, and I usually just move on from Mm -hmm. there. (laughs) I I don't have room for that. (laughs) 
Yeah. And I think it's important to, uh, at these networking events, really have an objective. Um, It's just, you know, people are there with their glass of wine and their dish and, you know, trying to give a card. It's not going to work. And uh, to just really be clear as to why you're there. And if you're there just to meet people, just have a conversation versus there to land a job at the networking event. It's just not going to happen there. Right. 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 Exactly. I mean, I, I've been very interested in building community, um, since I was a child. And, and one of the first things I did when I got out to LA was start a, a community called lady business. Uh, cause I felt like, you know, like I said, I graduated in the height of the recession and I just saw all my female friends, struggling to find work. There just wasn't jobs. And I was like, I know if we work together, we can figure this out. Like we can help each Mm -hmm. other out. And so it did, Lady Business was a group that met for a number of years. And now we're all in a place in our career that we need that less. But especially when you're starting out, finding those communities that are authentically wanting to help each other and not step on top of each other. Mm -hmm. So, so important. Yeah, we all need peers. We all need a community. And we all need peers and we all need mentors. And I feel mm-hmm. like that is what I have been lacking. I'm I've been searching for my multi-hyphenate non-linear mentor in my life. So if you're out there and you're listening, I was going to say, you're you're in a good place to be able to share that. I'm looking for you. What, um, who would be the right mentor for you? Not, not to name someone, but Mm -hmm. what is it? Are they coming from a creative background? Is it more for your passion projects? Where could you see a mentor in your life? And I agree with you hundred percent. Having a mentor is critical. I think. I have the ability to advocate for others. And, and like I said, I feel like the editor, I can, I can edit in someone's life. I can, I feel like I've been able with friends, with whomever to see, oh yes, yes. Okay. You're interested in this. You're in the advocate. Okay. Okay. Got it. And, and see, okay, this is exactly what you should do to get to where you want to be and look how amazing you are and look how brilliant you are. And I feel like I can't do that as well for myself. Mm-hmm. And I can't always connect the dots with the nonlinear career. I can't always see the next step to grow, um, to grow like my listeners on the podcast, to grow, uh, to grow my soul. And so, yeah, I, I think I'm searching for someone who understands a nonlinear career that involves entertainment, entertainment industry work, mm-hmm. but is in search of, uh, changing the world. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm, that's what someone that wants to change the world cares about justice, uh, and wants to help me see my own brilliance. <laughs> I love that. Um, Erica, it's, I was just looking on your LinkedIn profile and oh boy, it's not on there that you're looking for a mentor. Oh, okay. This is a great tip because I got to say, I really am not very good at LinkedIn. I don't update it very often. I don't update it with my new jobs. And I didn't even know you could look for a mentor. 
why not? It's putting it out there. Yes. I love this. Ask for yeah. what I need. Yeah. Just put it out there. Okay. I love this. Thank okay. you. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. I see a nice collection of books behind you. What are you reading currently that's uh, got you excited? Okay. I love Emergent Strategy by Adrienne Marie Brown. I am a huge Adrienne Marie Brown fan. Um, I love the Brown Sisters podcast. Uh, I love the new Emergent Strategy podcast. I love Adrienne Marie Brown's podcast on um, Parable of the Sower, Octavia Mm. Butler. So Emergent Strategy and Pleasure Activism, both by Adrienne Marie Brown and anything and everything Octavia Butler. Oh, very good. Okay. I will check out the podcast. I'm not familiar with it. So thank you for that tip. Yes, yes, yes. Very good. Well, as we're coming to our close of our time, is there anything else that you want to add for someone out there looking for a new role, looking to define what their next job search is going to look like or editing their resume and their focus? Yeah, I think... I think how I think the question is how can you be a fully formed human in a world that prefers you to be a one note, one dimensional, specific cog in a wheel mm-hmm. and find the answer to that question and remain a fully formed human while finding that specific way you can contribute and make impact that continues to feel joyful and doesn't take away from that fully formed human that is you. Love that. That's beautiful. That's that's a beautiful way of kind of rounding it out. And uh, what is kind of bubbling up for me is entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Right. If if truly that's the driver that you want to wear all the different hats that one wants to wear, and they're not finding the one place that offers it, is to create that opportunity for themselves. Absolutely, I'm right. so inspired by entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. uh, always so entrepreneurial myself uh, that I that I am where I am floating around, but, but, but happy. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's something where people who are freelancing freelancers don't necessarily always look at it as entrepreneurship, but that is what it is, right? If you're a freelancer, that's what you're doing every day. You're finding a new opportunity for yourself and you're invoicing it and you're marketing it. (laughs) You're doing everything, all parts of it. Uh, Oh my gosh. Yes. You should see around January 31st every year, how many uh, different 1099s are coming in over here. (laughs) And it's like, oh yeah, running a small business. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Well, Erica, thank you so much for giving your time. I I know time is so valuable. um, So I really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with me and to share your insight with all the artisans out there who are either on their job search or trying to define what is the right next step for them. So 
Absolutely. It's been amazing to talk to you. And uh, if anyone's out there looking for a mentee, I'm here. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Artisan Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Artisan Creative, a staffing and recruitment firm specializing in creative, marketing, and digital talent. You can find us online at artisancreative.com or via social channels at Artisan Creative. We look forward to connecting. Mm-hmm.